0: Hello, my beautiful woman ink listeners. Welcome back. My guest this week is Lindsay Kaplan. She is the co founder and chief brand officer of Chief the most powerful network of executive women in the world. What began as an idea to drive more women into power and keep them there is now a $1 billion unicorn with a network of 20,000 executive women who collectively manage $800 billion of the economy. Today, over 77% of Fortune 100 companies have chief members in their ranks. Unbelievable. Prior to founding chief, Lindsay spent the majority of her career leading marketing for high growth startups, including Casper, which transitioned from a mattress product company to a beloved global sleep brand under her leadership. Lindsay has been named a New York Times deal book groundbreaker, one of Business Insider's most innovative CMOs in the world. And one of Ad Age's leading women. I am so excited to bring this episode to you guys. I've been looking forward to this one for so long, and Lindsay is just absolutely amazing—an incredible entrepreneur—and I can't wait for you guys to listen. Now, let's get over to my conversation with Lindsay. Welcome to the Woman Inc. Podcast. This is the place for the new generation of women looking to lead the life of their absolute dreams. I'm your host, Jenna Toddy, entrepreneur, life coach, and strategist for modern businesswomen and entrepreneurs. I am a city girl, Sriracha lover, and that friend who will hype you up when you forget how powerful you truly are. I am on a mission to make Women Inc. the most powerful network of women who are leveling up, owning what they want, and becoming who they've always wanted to be. Have you ever wondered what it would look like if you went all in on yourself? No turning back. If so, you are in the right place, my girl. Let's get started. Lindsay, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I've been waiting for this. I feel like you've been on my calendar for so long now. I know.
1: Well, I'm (laughs) excited to finally dig in and have the conversation. So excited.
0: Okay. I'm a huge fan of Chief. I can't wait to get into all things Chief. But first, I want to kind of rewind and go back to what you were doing before Chief. Sure. Well,
1: prior to Chief, I had actually been working at a bunch of startups most recently, I was at Casper. I was hired as their first head of communications and brand. The irony there is when I started at Casper, I had said, I really want a VP title. And the guys, there's five founders, they looked at each other and they were like, well, there's five of us, you would be six. So like, sure, if, if that's what's going to take you to join, sure, you can be VP. And so the irony of me uh, over the four years of Casper actually Uh, growing into an actual VP with a team, with budget, with huge responsibilities, really helped inspire what would become Chief. Just that experience of being a woman and being an executive leadership. And then prior to that, I had worked at a bunch of startups, advertising, publishing, found out the last couple of years that I, I have ADHD. And that really explains my career journey. Because if I'm not passionate about it, if I get bored with it, if there's no urgency to it, I just lose all motivation. And so startups really became this perfect place for me to just kind of go on a fast timeline, not going to be beholden to a stodgy corporate atmosphere and really lean into my creativity.
0: Yes. Okay. Bring us to the moment when you had the idea to start Chief. So the idea for Chief actually came from my co-founder,
1: Carolyn. But we both had the same kind of background inspirational feeling that I think many women in business have had. And so the idea for Chief could have come from any woman who's probably had this feeling of, man, I've made it to, you know, this director, VP, C-level position. I feel like I'm really high up. I I made it. And yet it's lonely at the top. There's not a lot of women. And while I have to go through these huge obstacles and challenges and just just being a business leader in general, I, I now also have to take on that shift of, mentorship, of being that role model in my business of that you know woman on in the leadership team and feeling like you're held to a bit of a different standard and juggling all of that with often caretaking responsibilities at home. And so as my co-founder and I realized we had that same shared feeling uh, of just being that woman executive, uh, we were really inspired by a company called YPO, which is an organization for presidents, CEOs, uh, not surprisingly, it is like over 90% men. And so we said, what if there's an amazing organization that is confidential, that gives you this camaraderie, that gives you the support system and gives you the scaffolding around being that leader at this fragile place of top of the ladder? What if we do that for women executives? Um, So we came together in, we started talking end of 2017, came together in 2018 formally to start working on Chief and we launched it in 2019.
0: Unbelievable. And you are a unicorn. Like this is so exciting. You're valued at over a billion dollars, which is, yes. does that blow your mind? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Every day.
1: <laughs> I don't really think about it. And then if somebody says it to me, I'm like, wow, really? That's a, <laughs> that's a big, that's a big number. Um yeah and I think personally on a personal level that number feels surprising and shocking and full of awe on a professional level when I think about how big the business chief can be there are 5 million women in America alone who identify as this executive level businesswoman and then when you zoom out and think about the TAM across the world when you think about where chief can go in the future as we think about potentially you know other verticals for Uh, women in other uh, states of their career, this could be massive. And so that valuation, again, personal Lindsay aside, professional looking at the numbers, Lindsay, it makes a lot of sense. And
0: I know it can be bigger. Love that. That's inspiring. So can you kind of walk us through the platform? Like, How does Chief Work, if someone were to be a member, what would they be signing up
1: for? So first of all, the application process is a really important piece of the journey. We are vetting for women who are, when you use air quotes, are executive level. And that we have the criteria that could mean a, a number of things. We are looking at years of experience. We're not exclusively looking at that. There are some young wonderkins who are executive levels. We are looking at how far away you are removed from CEO. You can be CEO, um, but how many steps away are you from the ultimate decision leader of the company? Um, and we're looking at budget, p and team size. So kind of putting all of that together to really understand, are you what we would consider an executive level at your organization? Because let's face it, title really doesn't matter. Depends on you know how big your company is. Uh, there's a lot of title inflation that, that goes on. From there, if you qualify to join Chief and you go through an interview process, when you start Chief, we have three main pillars of services. The first is our core group. So we hyper curate groups of 10 people uh, executive women who meet monthly with an executive coach. So that's a two-hour Zoom meeting. And the goal is for you to find 10 other people who just freaking get it, who understand the bullshit you're going through, the challenges, that kind of blend of personal, professional, and, and aren't in your industry. So we want to put finance people, advertising people, marketing people, manufacturing. We want that mix in the room. Because it's really not about going through the day-to-day of the the working problems. It's about zooming out and getting that almost personal board of directors that is giving you support. And I go back to that word scaffolding around you to make sure you feel supported and that you have, again, 10 other people who get it um, and can be there for you. So that's our core group. That is the the first pillar. Second is community. We have 20,000 women in chief across the US and UK. And so we have a proprietary, essentially a social media network uh, for our members. We have community groups. We have a ton of in real life events, meetups that our members are self organizing, and we also have five clubhouses in New York, Chicago, LA, San Francisco, and London that the community can coalesce around. Um, and then finally, we have content. So we have a ton of incredible speakers workshops that we are specifically curating to make sure you stay on top of everything that is changing because there's the last few years, there's been no playbook for how to be a leader between the pandemic, between hybrid work, between economic turbulence. It has never been harder to lead right now. Um, And we've brought in some incredible speakers. So last year we welcomed Shonda Rhimes, Michelle Obama, just business leaders, icons that are just amazing and need to be heard in a confidential session just for chief members. So across, there's we do a ton more, but the, the main pillars are core community and content.
0: Amazing. No big deal, Michelle Obama. <laughs> Michelle Obama, no big deal. Yes. Yes. <laughs> what would you say you have found that most of the women who are a member of chief are struggling with? I think most leadership problems
1: are people problems, whether
0: that is issues with your board of directors,
1: um, issues with going through economic instability and needing to discuss layoffs, dealing with the challenges at home as caregivers, whether that is managing parents or young children. Problems are typically people problems. And so again, I think that cognitive diversity in the room is really helpful because it allows you to have different opinions. Different perspectives and different experiences that could help guide you and lend that empathy and support.
0: Love it. So, you're a chief brand officer. What does that look like? What does a typical day in the life of Lindsay entail? Uh,
1: well, the typical day at work is one thing. Um, <laughs> I'm also a mom of two. I have a dog, I have a husband, I have uh, parents and, and grandparents that I want to make sure I'm there for. But at work, as chief brand officer, my co-founder and I, I have to stop saying this and Jenna, maybe you can help me come up with a better analogy. We used to joke that like in many ways, she's the brain and I'm the heart, which is terrible because it makes her sound like a robot and makes, frankly makes me sound stupid. So we don't love that. But when we started Chief, my co-founder Carolyn is, um, she's like an HBS alum. She is an operational, just dynamo. She's incredible. She's brilliant. She is just like, the best CEO of all time. But what Carolyn is the first person to admit is she is less focused on like, what? It, how does it make you feel, right? Why do people want to join? That psychology of what makes somebody want to join Chief and what makes them feel like they're having a really special life-changing experience. And so as Chief Brand Officer, I own marketing, brand events, content programming, brand partnerships, and then certainly informally run a lot of that kind of conversation around what does Chief stand for? How are we driving change? We recently hired a VP of Impact and Inclusion and committed $1 million annually to contribute to nonprofits and organizations that align with our mission that we may not be able to, as as part of Chief's purview, uh, be able to immediately touch. Um, and so working closely with her on figuring out like What do we stand for? Um, How do we affect change? And Trey, our incredible VP of Impact, has a a map and plan forward on on how we deliver that impact. So day in a life is marketing meetings, editorial recaps, uh, meeting with, uh, again, speakers, discussing our events, and going out and meeting members and having great conversations. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention I actually have my, my phone is blowing up because my core group <laughs> is texting because I have a core group and I love them. And so shout out to my core groupies because uh, part of my day always involves like hilarious texts <laughs> from them. <laughs> Uh, That always make me feel like, yeah, I got this.
0: That's so good. I love that. I also feel like you, so you lean more right brain and she leans more left brain. Yep. I lean more creative. Yeah. You're both in the heart and both in the brain.
1: It's, I I know I need a better analogy because I mean, I will, I will sit in the data with her and um, I love it, but. I'm definitely more of the creative and she is definitely the operator.
0: Yeah. Okay. So something that I kind of obsess over is the beginning stages of building a brand. Because I think for anyone listening, they're looking at Chief, which is now over a billion dollar company. And it's like, how did you get there? Like lay it out for me. What would you say if you were to kind of rewind back to those beginning stages? What were some of the core decisions you guys made that you found really moved the needle? that ended up ultimately being really important? Uh, That's a great question. I think
1: the first is really mapping out what Chief stood for, what our mission is, and being very true to what we wanted to build into that. I remember one of our first VC meetings when we were raising our seed round. Uh, Daniel, if if you're listening, we always hear from Daniel, we love him. He looked at us and said, "I, I love you too. I love the concept, but you are baking five businesses in one company. You're doing these you're doing these peer groups and it's events and you have spaces and there's this community aspect and like I've worked on I'm on the board of companies that do one amazing thing. Like and again, props to my co-founder who is an operational mastermind because I don't know how many people can kind of again put five businesses under one hood. But we went back to the hotel. We were flown out to San Francisco. We were pounding the pavement. you know, we were in a flea bag hotel because we had like zero dollars to our name. I just remember us looking at our deck and just thinking, like, do we need to tear this up? <laughs> like are we? are we doing this? Are we stupid? right? Like what got like what nerve do we have to take this much on? And so we we put that kind of editing hat on and started to think, all right, so then what do we cut? But we went back to our mission of what this woman needs and what we think would move the needle for her as an executive woman and what we wanted. We were like, no, she needs those groups. We need the space because none of this feels real without it. This was pre-COVID. We need those workshops. And I think we doubled down that day on what it is and the services we really wanted to deliver to meet that mission and to meet those goals. So again, I think really mapping out what are you here to do? What makes you uniquely different? And what do you believe your customer will need in order to help achieve that mission? is paramount. Um, And then I think selfishly as as a brand person, I really wanted to develop something that hadn't really been seen before. So when I think about women's executive networking, I cringe. I mean, it's just, I just think about like the dinner party I don't want to go to, the sticky name tags that ruin my shirt and that somehow like never sit well on my boob. Just like, you know, a cheese plate that's just like rotting in the corner and just bad conversation with plastic cups of warm wine, uh, pantsuits, like everything bad. Just so funny. Cause if you think about networking or men's networking, I immediately think about golf or, you know, having whiskey at a private club. So I really wanted to flip women's networking on its head and develop a brand that wasn't overcorrecting into something that felt girly and pink and too youthful, but something that actually felt like I would want to join, that I would be proud, that was aspirational, and that made me want to be a part of that community. And that's what really led us to design the brand of Chief, Uh, lean into power, lean into this dark green leather textures and really develop something that felt like you'd want to do it and you hadn't seen it before.
0: And it really does. I love the branding behind Cheap. I think it's so elevated. Thank you. Did you guys raise money in the beginning? We did.
1: So we closed our seed round late 2018 with a handful of investors. And I think any seed investor that comes in early, those early angels, There is nothing like that vote of confidence because it's not really about the business at that point. They are really betting on co-founders. You know, the business plan has to look decent enough, but early days, they're really betting on you and their belief that you can take this and run. And when we think about VC, it's not about, you know, a small return. It's not about building a small business. We had a lot of no's from people who were like, I love this this is going to be great. I don't think this is going to be a billion dollar business, which is really like, again, you have to demonstrate how you get there. And so yes, in 2018, we raised $3 million to get us going in the beginning.
0: Were there any moments looking back that you were like, oh my gosh, this was a huge failure? How did we get past this? I think the biggest, maybe, you know, stomach
1: drop was was the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I look back, the, the biggest miss was just, we had been building, I mean, we just had signed huge, huge leases for real estate in New York, LA, and Chicago right before the pandemic. March... 2020, I had a three-month-old in addition to my four-year-old at home. I'm still on that leave. And I know we were on the top of every investor's list of you know companies in my portfolio that are probably just going to be a write-off. And it was an incredible pivot by our team to take this in-person experience, which we were really seeing growing pains with, just being fully in-person and trying to stuff as many people in a room as possible we pivoted that really hard instantly and i would actually say the mistake we made was not coming back from it soon enough mm-hmm. so when we pivoted to the pandemic there was this kind of like stop start stop start of pandemic's over just kidding it's not there's yeah. vaccines but we all got covid again and so there i remember everybody was starting to plan in person but then delta came And so I think I think a strategic mistake on our side was not seeing around the corner and not understanding that need to come back in person post-pandemic and what that craving for coming back in person would be balanced by. Meaning people don't want to come back in person every day anymore. But we do want to see each other once a month. We do want to make sure that we are having this quarterly amazing in-person experience. And I think it took us Again, I think that that whiplash of going back and forth from COVID, no COVID, COVID, no COVID. And by the way, COVID is still around. I just had it last week. So I, for my third time. So I'm not trying to say COVID is over, but the I think many people are over COVID and want to get back to real life. Yeah. And I think it was a strategic misstep that we didn't move into a, a hybrid experience that valued in person fast enough over the last year and a half.
0: Makes so much sense. So. Chief is heavily focused, obviously, on networking. What characteristics do you think the best networkers have?
1: Ooh, I think the best networkers are not transactional. I think the best networkers just, just like people love meeting, love serendipity. And when you meet great networkers, you don't feel like that business card is getting, you know, swapped and you're going to get an email next week. And all of a sudden, can I introduce you to my biz dev person? We don't at Chief. Most women don't have time for that, mm-hmm. um, and so there is there is the uh, push pull of yes, I want to be there and make sure that as we are part of this community, we can we can support one another, um, and that we can actually make deal flow happen uh, and give each other jobs and opportunities, but. A great networker knows how to build a relationship and not build a transaction. So
0: good. I asked, two love the best networkers I know. They're just like machine. I don't know how they, they are so good at networking. And I'm like, that makes me tired. Like I don't have time for well, their them. advice. Well, wait, share <laughs> the advice said, from them. Yeah. So both of them said the same thing. They don't know each other. And they both said, I just add value wherever I can. Mm. So whether it's just like putting people on a text really fast, you should know each other. Or this is like a really good um, company I worked with when sending it over a text. Like not looking for anything in return, but just value, value, value in whatever small ways they can. Yes, I love that. Simple, but I've been thinking about that a lot. It's selfless, right?
1: It's selfless to say, I've built a relationship with you. And then to prove that relationship, I am kind of giving you these gifts. And expecting nothing in return
0: exactly okay so on the personal end as an entrepreneur and a mom how have you found time to just fully feel in your power and step away from work and and actually just like relax i haven't
1: (laughs) um i don't know what that means define or relax I think as a founder, you don't really, I don't think a founder really can step away. Um, it is, there is, you, you can hire an incredible team. Um, you can take as many vacations as you want, uh, but it will always be that undercurrent and that electricity inside of you. And so I can, I can do all of the motions of relaxing. Mm-hmm. Um, I just took my family. We were in Miami, so we could have said hi. Just took my family on a on a short trip. It was so amazing to spend time with my kids. Um, I brought my laptop anyway, just in case I needed it. I vowed not to open it. Can I, can I mentally turn off the, the, you know, the ticking of being a founder? Absolutely not. I just can't. But I do want to make sure that I'm being really intentional about my time so that when I'm with my family, when I'm with my kids, I am prioritizing them. I'm thinking about them. They are... They are in my worldview. They are are filling up the aperture. Um, But there is that constant white noise hum that will never go away.
0: So it's maybe more about boundaries than it is turning
1: off. Listen, again, it could be the ADHD that I (laughs) seem to entertain eight thoughts at once. Yeah, boundaries are important. I also think that you have to set the tone for your company. So I want to make sure that I go on vacation. Um, that I take days off and that I'm spending time with my family so that I can model it for my team. We have a four and a half day work week at Chief. So today is Friday at one o'clock. I am out the door. I'm literally taking my kids to go get passports for where <laughs> I don't know. I don't have a vacation booked, but I'm like, but one day I will want a vacation with them. <laughs> so like step one is getting their passports, getting my, my big one's passport renewed. But yeah, being intentional about about time off. Again, at Chief, we have that four and a half day work week. There are very few emails and slacks that come in in the evenings or on weekends. I mean, something has to really be on fire. Um, And well, we are caregivers. We are a team that is over 80% women. And people have, whether you have children at home or not, people have lives, right? Mm -hmm. We all have to go home. Work is work. And so, yes, we're looking for people who are committed, who love Chief, who work hard. But we're also looking for people who understand that, you know, your weekend is your weekend. Your evenings are yours. Take your your unlimited vacation days. Take your sick days and make sure you're taking the days when your family, your friends need you as well. So good.
0: I bet your retention is very high. <laughs> it's very high. Yeah. <laughs> What are you, Lindsay, most excited about thinking of the future of Chief? So when I think about
1: Chief, I, again, this could be me as a founder lying awake at night worrying. I actually think about all of the improvements that we want to make to the current experience. It, you know, we're not perfect. We are four years out. We went through a pandemic that like completely rocked our world and pivoted our business. Um, And so what I'm excited about is maybe small things like how we are improving our core group formation so that the groups are even stronger. I'm thinking about what we are doing in our app redesign to make it like our community groups better. I'm thinking about all of the speakers we have coming up. And sometimes I get like, you know, shower thoughts of, oh, my God, you know, you know who needs to talk at chief? So I'm, I'm still there. I'm still in the kind of like week to week, month to month of what we are doing to incrementally make things better. Because if our business is better, she will be better. And if yeah. she is better, she will have more support, more scaffolding so that she can go back into her company and pave the way for others.
0: Love it. Lindsay, thank you so much. I have one last question. This has been amazing. What would be your number one piece of advice for a woman who's wanting to start her own company? (sighs) My
1: number one piece of advice is to just remember that life is short. Just do it. Just do it. Just take the leap, you know, wrap yourself up in whatever security you can find and take the leap. If, If you want to start a company, life is short. Try it. Do it. You will scratch yourself. You will end up licking your wounds going to be hurtful, you will have some black and blues and scrapes. Um, But if you want to jump, jump.
0: Love it. I just become a billion dollar unicorn. (laughs) It Maybe, maybe can. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jenna. It was a great conversation. Okay. I hope you enjoyed this episode and are feeling so fired up to go out there and create that business or side hustle that's been on your to-do list, you know, a little bit longer than you care to admit. It is never too late to make the first step towards the life you want more than anything else. If you haven't already, make sure you are subscribed to the show so that you never miss an episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, keep becoming the woman of your wildest dreams.